To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more is free shipping. $35 or more gets you free shipping. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn 2.05 APY all through your brokerage account. Secure secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock, I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Jay here, positivesarcasm.com, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. Happy Wednesday again coming up on my 100th episode not yet but soon but not today but definitely in a few weeks so yeah on the docket today i i got a bunch of stuff that half of it i'll probably never get to because i'm gonna forget about it because i'm gonna go off on a tangent about the first thing i talked about which will stare into another thing which will basically lead into another tangent and then the next thing you know about an hour will pass by and i'll get to maybe two or three questions and then i'll outro with some music but hey it's fine with me Uh, But I do have a bunch of stuff today. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm, or if you just want to be my friend, you can go to facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. Same shit. Either following me or friending me. Don't really matter. Be my followers. Like Kanye West starting a cult. Uh, You can't find me on Twitter. Sorry. Uh, You can also go to positivesarcasm.com if you're looking for posing music, if you want to read my old articles that make me look pretty sociopathic. If you want to go check out my YouTube channel, go to Positive Sarcasm on YouTube, or you can check them all out at my website, positivesarcasm.com. I categorize everything there. If you're looking for movie movie suggestions, posing music uh, stuff, this is a whole bunch of stuff. I haven't been there lately. I'm just kidding. I've Actually, what I've been doing now, which is kind of clever, kind of, well, it kind of makes sense, actually. It's something I should have been doing, I don't know, 15 weeks ago when I opened up the new spare part studios was now that I'm pumping out these these little clips and throwing them up on my Instagram of these you know properly timed little pieces of the show I'm now taking them up and putting them on Instagram but not only am I doing that it's when people go to my website and they go to the episodes of the of the podcast underneath them are all those clips as well embedded underneath them so I mean it it is it's smart to do that it doesn't take a lot of effort 
It's just a smart thing for me to be doing so that it's another way of you being able to see the conf content just a little bit easier without having to go to Instagram and racking up those uh, that metadata that they so uh, admittedly steal. But yeah, before I go off on that tangent, I should steer back to the episode. This week's podcast will start off with uh, this week's coffee, which is Coffee Roasters, Vermont Coffee Company. Uh, it's my first time with them. It seems like every couple of weeks I got a new coffee company in here that I'm kind of sipping on and getting a feel of. And a lot of the times the first week I drink the coffee, I either don't make it right. Normally when I make a coffee, it's either with, as you know, if you're new to the podcast. If you don't know I'm or new to the podcast, uh, I normally do my coffee with a French press or with a pour over. With It has a metal, uh, a metal filter that I Basically, just it pours over and it filters through the coffee beans and goes into the bottom. You get a ton of coffee out of it, but a lot of the times, if I do it wrong, the, the it seems the coffee, which is supposed to be strong, because I normally get dark roasts or bold roasts or French roast or whatever, they generally feel seem watered down for some reason. And usually, I'll and normally I'll blame that on myself. Can you tell I've already had like a cup and a half? But this week, uh, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it seems watered down. This one seems like a real mellow blend, even though it is. It's considered extra dark, but compared to the bean that I had last week, which was Jim's Organic Coffee, which was Blend X Blend is X Witches Brew, which I have on the wall on my coffee uh, hall of fame there, <laughs> which is pretty much any coffee I drink. I love it. Um, it's uh, a little more mellow. There's not as many notes, but like I said, it's my first week with it. I'll give it a couple days. Uh, it's got a it's got a a post grind scent that is amazing. And uh, it's got the oils over the bean, which is always a good sign of quality when you're brewing. I, I've i seen those in a couple of that I blended. Uh, let's see. Layered Superfood had that little oily uh, look over the bean. Uh, Hometown Roasters, I think, I think had it. Jim's Organic didn't have it, but it was more of a bitter roast, which I was fine with. And the one that's not up on the wall yet, which will be soon because i got to go back and buy another bag, is a coffee comp coffee. A coffee company down the street from me that I think originates from Maine, and I can't. Oh, Aroma Joe's. They have a bold roast which is delightful that has that oil on it and blends really well. That's a good one too. But for the most part, uh, I want to give a shout out to this week's coffee company. I fucking love coffee. I really do. I wonder what the future. Is. Here's the thing: when you now that you go and you look at these articles about these impossible burgers that are coming out, these this lab-grown meat that's coming out, they also have things like called molecular coffee that's coming out. Now, I'm not necessarily opposed. Well, no, I'm not opposed to stuff that is sustainable, sustainable-based, sustainable foods. Okay, because I understand people have certain nutrition preferences, or moral preferences, or emotional preferences, or what have you. But I do understand that a lot of people drink shitty coffee. And if they're going to drink shitty coffee, which is basically because, for example, if you go down to like South Carolina, my mother, my fucking mother, uh, she has a soybean field in the back of her house. And she and every year, you know, they burn it down, they create new soil, but they plant a different product every year because they can't plant the same product. It just doesn't. That's. A natural. That's a that's a, a fact that you can't produce the same product every year out of that field, uh, or the soil just dies. Where the fuck was I going with this? Holy shit! It just disappeared. We were talking about coffee, so I guess we'll just scratch that. All right. So yeah, fuck that noise. I forgot what it was. Oh yeah, coffee. Yeah, that has to do with coffee because so many people are buying coffee from like South America, which where most of it comes from, Peru. 
uh, uh, Colombia, mm, I think all the other ones, Brazilian roast, all that shit. So South America, Central America, it's where a lot of the coffees come from. Come from. Good ones too. Robusto blends, which are cheaper, uh, but more hyper, and then Robusto Arabica blends, and then Full Arabica, which is the higher quality bean, which is more of a stable, a smooth uh, um, caffeine, caffeine pump. Caffeinated pump. Pump! So... It's getting dark out, so I get home and freaking fucking turn out the lights and go to bed. Uh, but what they do is they're worried that if after a while, so the, the coffee demands of this world is going up, tea demands in this world are going up, are they able to sustain the soil, the precious soil that's down there, or the coffee demands is gonna is going to be is going to overrun the supply? That's that's a, a big thing. We don't want to be ending up cutting down rainforest because we're trying to fill in coffee. Now, if you have sustainable brands, like, for example, this Vermont Coffee Company or the coffees that I've had previously, like uh, like Peruvian Dark Roast from Laird's Hamilton or Hometown Brew or Jim's Organic or whatever or Fat Tire Blend, if they are sustainable blends and they do this shit responsibly, then cool, but... Starbucks pumps through a lot of coffee. Dunkin' Donuts pumps through a lot of coffee. Tim Hortons pumps through a lot of coffee. Coffee Bean pumps through a lot of coffee. So the question, and, the, and then of course shitty 7-Eleven coffee, which, yeah, it's kind of shitty. Are we able to be sustainable? And are, are there, if there are people that there that are eating shitty burgers because they want to eat shit because they don't care, they just eat shitty burgers. They eat shitty meat because they don't care, they want to eat shitty meat. And they drink shitty coffee because they're shitty people. Then why don't we just, I guess if we're going to continue serving shitty food to shitty people, then we should at least substitute it with something that's far more sustainable. Okay? If people want to eat tilapia because it's fucking disgusting, then we should grow, lab grow tilapia. But as far as me, people like me who drink good stuff and eat for the most part good stuff. I mean, I got another turkey in the oven right now because I'm a champion. Uh, I got six for this year. Six turkeys. Rockin'. Um... My coffee can continue to be uh, grown and collected and distributed how it normally is. But for all those people that are eating, you know, Burger King shit burgers, uh, they can switch to Impossible Burgers because they don't care about their health, so fuck it. Um, if there's people out there that are eating lab-grown meat or just they're eating 7327 uh, meat, which is like, you know, I get my paycheck every... uh. I get my check from the government once a month type of, of ground beef and the only thing I feed my kids is fucking uh, soda pop and, and discount cereal, then, okay, then they can have those those lab-grown meats, those impossible burgers, and, of course, those, um, those molecularly grown-in-the-lab coffees as long as they're cheaper or at least on par. So I'm okay with that, but there's, you cannot convince me for a second at this point that even though like lab grown meat or molecular coffee in the long run is going to be the smarter decision for me because in this world when if somebody if like a pharmaceutical company or one of these larger organizations gets a hold of these things if it's grown and it's if it's grown in a lab owned by them the odds of them putting something in it that are terrible for me and not necessarily having to tell me about it, those odds are are uh, high to almost certain, okay? Because when you're eating like things like the Impossible Burger, you're eating a shit ton of soy. When you're eating uh, this lab-grown meat, 
obviously, if it's heading in that in that department, first of all, if you are eating a lot of s- steak or chicken, like like factory farm stuff, which I do because it, I'm in that price range right now, I'll get there. I'll make it someday. Then there's antibiotics and stuff like that, which is killing off a lot of the good nutrients that's in the food to begin with. So with this coffee, that's another thing that concerns me. Like the like the vaping market. We ha- I had a um an article about two months back about, yeah, there's good vape and there's good CBD out there, but there's a lot of companies that are giving you shit when they're taking some of that, they're making this synthetic marijuana that's laced with terrible, terrible shit that can kill you. So my trust in this lab-grown meat, the idea of it sounds good. And the actual um, practice of putting into practice, like on a, if, if all went well, it would be a good idea. But I just, I'm really, really hesitant about taking that on full time because I know what soy, just soy in general does to you. And if you have like a soy-based coffee, all right, that needs to be studied on male testosterone patterns before it's handed out on a daily basis. The same thing with lab-grown meat and the same thing with these Impossible Burgers, which is highly processed uh, soy shit that's just not good for people like me. Or know it, it's not good for anybody in general. But hey, people want to eat like shit, then they should be allowed to. And you know what? Sometimes people who train hard and focus on their diet a lot and put a lot of effort into things, sometimes do, sometimes do grab that occasional Snickers bar. All right? And I do love me a Snickers every now and then. It just works and it it, it stops me from buying everything in the grocery store. Not a lot, but often. Or something to that effect. Let me figure out those. Anyways, yeah. So I I do I'm very hesitant about that idea, but I do want to applaud their effort. The attempt should be there for them because I was talking this company called like uh, Atomo, and they're making this coffee. And you know, there's there's fla- there's certain flavorings in there. They're trying to make it taste just like nearly any other coffee. You know, in, like in in that genre of oh, this tastes a little nutty, a little hazelnutty. This one's kind of dark. This one's kind of mellow. This one's a little more bitter. So they're trying to fit that mold in that field. Can they do it without it being uh, a risk to my health? Because I'm a fan of coffee in general, so I would like to give them the opportunity to do it right. But I don't want like Folgers to get a hold of it, and the next thing you know, uh, my testosterone count drops like a hundred points because I'm basically drinking fucking soybeans with hazelnut flavoring. I don't want that to be the case. So, uh, I I know how I basically went off on a tangent about another ten another ten minute tangent about you know I go from Vermont Coffee Company, which is actually this is a pretty good blend, and I like the little plastic pop paper popcorn baggie that it comes in. It says brew it strong, which obviously I ignored the instructions like a typical fucking male. And actually, what do the instructions say? Let's look at the instructions. If I was a girl, I would have read the instructions, and then I would have done nothing about it. Uh, let's see, grind beans close to brew time. Filter water to remove chlorine. Okay. Try different amounts of ground coffee. Get the strength that's right for you. We like strong coffee. Good for you. That's right. Way to put some hair on your nuts. We like strong coffee, so we use at least two tablespoons per six ounce cup. I used two, and I had a small, yeah, it's about the same. Store your beans away from light, moisture, and heat. Don't put your coffee in the refrigerator, but freezing them long-term storage is okay. Yeah, I store mine in the top rack of my wine rack, and it's perfect. So, uh, not bad. I'm going to give this, I, uh, this one's got a full, probably about a week and a half in storage before uh, I kick it, you know. So, good stuff. Thank you, Vermont Coffee Company, for giving me more options. Da-da-da-da. So, what else we got going on? Oh, 
So I dropped some shit on YouTube. I dropped two, actually. One, normally uh, I have leftover footage from a video, from a vlog I shoot, or, or a concept, or a movie. And then I, a lot of the times I'll take that leftover footage and I will turn it into either a behind the scenes, a shorty, or something to that effect. And I got a shorty. Uh, I, I came out with Cyberpunk Adventures and then I did Cyberpunk Rave. Hmm. And I did just a sip of my coffee. So Cyberpunk Adventures was this. I've been wanting to get to this and, and nerd out for at least five to ten minutes about this because the idea got in my head where I, I saw this car online. It was a cheap car. It was like 800 bucks. I'm like, I can fucking swipe that. I can swipe that on my Amex card. Like a boss. Boss with some points. Swipe that. Give me some points. So I bought this shit box from like 1995. Back in the day, these things were cool and styling. But the first of all, if I ever, if I met the, 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 the jackass who, bought, who owned this car before me, I would put this motherfucker in a coma. He treated this car so poorly because this wasn't a bad little retro 90s type of car and it was attempt the stealth was a, a, a back in the 19 early 1990s dodge and mitsubishi joined together to create a car with the exact same parts the exact same body type body panels and body style the exact same internal and electrical components just different badges this does happen a lot with a car company but these were so close together it's pretty ridiculous a lot like what ford and lincoln mercury does but for dodge and mitsubishi to do it uh it's not the first time because when i know sometimes mitsubishi was not owned by chrysler that's the thing normally when mercedes-benz and chrysler was owned then you got like the compressor 230 and you got the uh chrysler crossfire which I mean, good luck driving that thing in the winter time it had like 36 inch rims. It was fucking ridiculous. It looked like it was from 1917 with those bikes. So the idea is that they put these, they put this car together, which is essentially the same thing. And they were, they were cool back in the day. They were interesting cars. It's the first car I've ever driven with coilovers, which is where the shock absorber and the coil are one unit, which makes for better handling uh, and better steering. But it's dog shit on bumps, and there's a lot of frost heaves and all that other jazz here, and where I where I podcast. So, but they're only in the back, so it's not too bad. And since it's a full coupe with just a sunroof or moonroof, whatever, then it's it's the body absorbs a lot of the shock. So I bought this car. So I bought this car. I'm like I I saw the car, and I immediately thought there's a movie, there's an idea in my head. I'm gonna go and get that car just so I can make this movie. So I swiped it, I brought it back, I put like two grand worth of work, I mean, just I put like two G's worth of work into it to get it ready for the shoot. Uh, it, was a, it was originally green, and then somebody painted it black, and then I painted, repainted it again, uh, matte black, so that it would have more of a dystopian Mad Max uh, cyberpunkish look to it. Something that looked like a vigilante with some machine guns under the uh, under the fog lights would drive. Something like uh, Blade Runner 2049 or something like that. I wanted to have that look for the video that I was putting out. I wanted it to have that vibe. So, you know, because why not? So that was the car, basically, was this older car. Like, for example, it was themed after movies, and this is, I have it down here on my list. Like, if you ever seen the movie Terminator, like the original Terminator, the one from like 1984, and where a guy travels back in time to stop another for, to stop a 
Terminator from traveling back in time. And there's that scene where they come back and there's all this lightning hitting like this this back alley truck stop type of thing. I recreated that in kind of an homage to that movie kind of way where somebody comes back. Basically, man and machine come back in time or come from somewhere like space or whatever to do something. They have an objective when they get here. So the first thing comes back is a dude with a helmet. Then the second thing comes back is the machine. The machine, of course, is the car. So they both show up through these lightning or, uh, as I explained it in the sub-credits or in the, in the subplot, quasar echoes. A quasar is like a huge echoey explosion from like a star blowing up and some shit. And we have, you'll hear it in a lot of the, in a lot of the video. If you go to Cyberpunk Adventures, just check out my YouTube page, and that's what it's called. You'll hear it. It's a very loud, uh, it sounds like a helicopter in space. Even though you can't hear noise in space, but still. So that noise is actually the echoes of a quasar. And you can go and Google what a quasar is, and it's basically like a, a, a star blowing up or something like that. And that releases a ton of energy. And this is how the car and this person or this thing, this being with the helmet on, fuels. It energizes. Like this, this is a humanoid powered by a battery. Like in the future when we become symbiotic with... with uh, like humanoids, like part hum- part machine, part human. So this thing is powered off of this insane, insane energy. The echoes of a quasar, and he's able to harness that energy and do whatever he and travel interstellar, interdimensionally or whatever. So he comes here, and the plot ensues from there. And the car shows up, essentially powered by the same thing. But it's more of a concept. It's not a finished product. The concept is you introduce an idea that is based off other themes and you put it out there and you allow the music, the scenery, the vibe, and everything else, other than just the plot. The plot is more of just a... It's just sort of there like a Michael Bay movie. It doesn't necessarily uh, matter. (laughs) But it's there. And it allows for the music and the concept and the transitioning and the my editing skills to be the star of the movie. So that was the idea of the car and my character, yeah, played by me. I directed and starred in it. And then, of course, the condition of the, movie, the, the car was dog shit when I got it. But I brought it back to life. That car should not exist. That car should be a parts car. And now it, it runs great. And I would... As long as I have it, I'm going to continue to do more, well, cyberpunk adventures with it, as long as it's, it fits the narrative of the movie. But the secondary theme was the helmet. The helmet was actually quite a funny add-on. I found it. I saw it on the side of the road one day, and I go, there's a helmet there. Probably filled with lice. I don't know. So I cleaned it up, cleaned the thing. It was white. It looked like a driver's instructor's helmet. I found it. I wiped it down and everything like that. It had a, it had a, it was a normal like DOT type of helmet, white with a clear mask. I'm like, that's not cool. I don't want anybody to see my face. So I took it, I sprayed it matte, super flat black, okay, and then I covered the whole mask with this chameleon uh, type of le- it's a lens wrap that I bought for the Mustang but decided not to use because it was just too it was too aggressive looking. It just didn't work for a Mustang, which it should have a classic look. So I s- took that and then put it on, as the visor of the helmet, which actually was quite a difficult task. It actually is peeling on the sides where the ears are. 
but I managed to put I managed to get it on there. So it looks rugged, which kind of makes sense. And then I use this this INC jacket as kind of like my uniform or whatever or my cuz these this thing this being kind of looks like a vigilante whatnot. So it definitely fits the bill. And I'm filming on cold nights. So I have to say super warm. So I'm wearing like layers on top of layers and then the jacket and then the gloves and then like you don't see the thing is you don't see my neck, you don't see my face. You don't see any human parts at all. You don't even see, really, you don't even see my pants because I'm just trying to get something that blends into the night so you can't really see it. So when my legs come into view almost, it immediately I immediately crop in or pan in or move to another scene so you don't see, if I'm wearing jeans, you don't see them. If I'm wearing Adidas Sambas, you don't see them either. So I move from there. So, and plus if I'm filming in the dark, it makes it much easier. It makes it more difficult because if my camera's isolation range can't reach that level of darkness, then I don't have any shots to show you. But the theme was cyberpunk. If you look up the idea of cyberpunk, dystopian, vigilante, synth wave, very 80s-ish. Like I said, Terminator. But the Wraith, the Wraith with Charlie Sheen is a kind of a crappy, cheesy popcorn flick from the 1980s. I think it came out just before or right when Platoon, it came out before Platoon came out. And it's about this guy, he, him and his girlfriend, the boyfriend gets killed, comes back as the Wraith. A Wraith is a ghost. And he's driving this Chrysler two-door thing. It's some looks like a freaking Pontiac Fiero, basically. It's all spaced out and shit. And the Wraith comes back and takes revenge on the gang that killed him. And he drives, and he's always he basically looks like me in Cyberpunk Adventures, with the helmet on and the gloves and stuff, and he's got some type of supernatural or uh, outer world powers. So that those fun 80s themes played a significant role in this production. Now, the production itself, the filming itself was done in dark alleys, so like dark alleys and playground areas and areas that weren't, there's not a lot of people so that I could get the scenes and get in and get out. Although I did post a couple times on Instagram, if you see me, you see this helmet, and you take a picture and you DM it to me, I will Venmo you five bucks. But since I, I'm really good about finding spots, generally, people didn't find me. But I would have happily Venmo to anybody that found me. But the dark alleys and the balancing the lighting uh, between the light and the dark helped me show the audience what I wanted them to see. Then, of course, overall, how long did it take? Well, two days for cyberpunk adventures and then one evening after the the sun went down for the cyberpunk rave which was basically a lot of the b-roll and additional footage that i shot uh in complement to the adventure the initial adventure i called it cyberpunk adventure because it was just cyberpunk is a keyword uh that's commonly used online there's a game coming out called cyberpunk 2077 and I just figured it was kind of silly. I didn't want to take it too seriously, but it was a lot of fun to shoot. Editing was crazy. Editing was crazy because I had to run back and forth between two different programs, produce the video, and then add the video into a new project, create the graphic for it, produce it. It was a bitch. I gave all my computers uh, one hell of a time producing this, pro this, this video. And thankfully, it came out for the most part. I did have some glitches. Uh towards the end where I think one clip kind of disappeared. And I'm like, where the fuck did it go? But for the most part, it, it, I got a lot of the satisfaction of making a concept that I just, I it was in my head where I usually have this concept where a product 
uh, so like a like when I did um, that little Milo jumping drone thing, it was like week sixty six Star Chaser or something, where you know he's low end. He gets to his he's he arrives at a destination. He's low end energy. He gets to that destination and then runs out of energy and then something rescues him. The same theme basically applies in this movie. And I enjoy making these movies because it helps me. Uh, tighten up my talents as far as editing because that's a hard part playing with the layers and the music and the transitions there this was the most and most rapid amount of transitions i've ever done for a any production any period the fastest yeah the fastest and the most amount like i'd say like 30 seconds to a minute of just blasting like incremental milliseconds of cutting and just basically like chopping tiny little slices of cake and then pushing them all together and then having them timed perfectly in sequence. So that was that was hard to do, but it did work out and it was pretty cool and it ended up just becoming this kaleidoscope explosion of just of uh of scenes just transitioning from one drum beat to or synthesizer beat to another and it was fun to do. So um, and considering I shot it and edited it all myself, I, I'm, I am a proud of that, but I do looking forward to doing more. And then cyberpunk rave was just, I've been having a lot of fun with this band called, uh, dance with the dead. And normally I don't post, uh, videos with, uh, commercial music, you know, full commercial commercial music up on YouTube, but this one was too good. And I put all of Dance with the Dead's uh, information in the description so people can go check them out. They're freaking awesome. And they're hopefully they'll be touring the U.S. sometime soon. They look like a lot of fun to be watching, to go to see on, you know, in concert. So that was a lot of fun. You can go on my Instagram, at positive underscore sarcasm. You can go and check out the uh, Cyberpunk Rave video, which is 59 seconds long. So it does, you don't have to click on the IGTV logo. It literally will, you scroll there and you get in, get out. And then, of course, I had one more leftover piece from last week's podcast that I just posted today. It's about a 30-second thing about uh, not complaining when you're at work and stuff like that. Don't, I, I hate seeing that shit. Just stop doing it. But I already posted a thing about it. You can go and check out my uh, Instagram. It's on my Facebook, too. So you can go check that shit out. Uh, okay, we're at 28 minutes. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, for the most part, was pretty much a dud. And I think it's going to continue to be more of a dud when it comes to in stores. TVs are so freaking cheap nowadays. So cheap. Like 50-inch TVs, there's 50-inch TVs are two, between 2 and 300 bucks now. That's it. You should not be for two between for 50 and 55-inch TVs, if you spend more than 300 bucks, you're an idiot. Flat out. Uh OLED, QLED, QOLED is coming out. Uh, 1080p or is is a TV that is basically been priced out of the market. You and the pre-owned market is insane right now because everybody's dumping their current TVs for newer ones, which means that theirs are basically worth nothing because they're buying these ones for 200 bucks. So how much are they going to sell a 50-inch flat screen that's two years old? That's the same size, but because it's two years old, they dumped their older one. That one's not worth dick. So they're basically sending out these. They're selling these things for like. 50 to 100 bucks. So you can go and get a 4K flat screen between 43 inches and 55 inches for 100 to 150 bucks, uh, 50 to 150 bucks on the Facebook slash Craigslist market or eBay. for, And that's nothing. And then you get this giant flat screen in your room. 
depending upon what you do with it. I mean, I know there's people there that are trying to go bigger. It's like, how much fucking time do you spend in front of your television to begin with? How much time should you be actually be spending in front of your television to begin with? I mean, take a break. You know, an hour of video games here, an hour of video games there, maybe 90 minutes of a good program, but it's not worth it. I mean, I, I, as far as Black Friday is concerned, yeah, if you are buying TVs, new versus pre-owned, it doesn't come with a warranty or whatnot. Okay, understandable. How much did you spend on the TV and how much are you spending on the warranty? If it's a cheap TV, who gives a shit? It's going to run for two or three years. These TVs nowadays, they're super reliable. They're really cheap. There are some brands you absolutely must stay away from. Like uh, what I remember was Westinghouse. Westinghouse generally had a ch- uh, LG is hit or, hit or miss. Uh, but there's a lot of real. But most part, for the most part, there's a lot of good TVs out there. There's a lot of good brands. Computers is another thing. Computers is a very complicated market, though. TVs, if you want a certain size TV, just go out and look for price. It doesn't really matter who you get it from for the most part. You know, there's a lot of good brands out there. Computers is different, though, because there's so many different processors. There's so much is a a certain amount of RAM that you need to do almost everything, depending upon your skill set or what you want to be doing with that computer, what size. Reliability is also key. And there's, there's when it comes to Intel processors and AMD processors, there's like nine different generations of processors. So that's, that's spread out over nine years. And there's the i3, the i5, the i7, there's the Celeron, the Pentium, the latest Pentium, uh, the Atom, and there's a lot of sh- in the in my opinion there's no other pro- when you buy a computer there's only anything i7 or up uh and i mean newer gen i7s and then of course when it comes to AMD which is one of the more reliable processors out there as well they have the Ryzen 3 the Ryzen 5 and the Ryzen 7 and the Ryzen 9 any of the Ryzen ones that you get in your laptop you're going to be okay with and ram is extremely crucial if uh, for what i'm doing I would need a laptop that with minimum 12 gigs of RAM up to 16 or 32. Nothing less than that. I already have a, I already have two laptops with 8 gigs of RAM in them. And that's in, and also solid state drive. So you have to look for there's certain things when you're buying a computer. All right, normally it's either going to it's probably going to run Windows 10 nowadays. Then it has to have a SSD drive. So a couple things if you're going to nerd if you are going to buy a computer and you're going to spend 2 to $300. SSD, solid state drive. If it doesn't have it, don't buy it. Processor, Ryzen's, R-I-Z-E-N, or I7. If it doesn't have that, don't buy it. RAM, 8, 12, or 16. If it's anything less than that, and it, or it's, it's 4 and you can't expand it to 12, don't buy it. That's pretty much it. It can have an integrated graphics card depending, or an, an extra slot for a graphics card or what have you. But for the most part, those are the three key elements that have the, post the most value for what you're buying. And there was a couple of those uh, Cyber, uh, on, not Cyber Monday, but Black Friday deals. But I just, I mean, I sometimes go out of my way to give corporations my money. But I, I'm really smart when it comes to slick deals or when it comes to Black Friday, excuse me. Because I'm just not, I'm really hesitant about pulling the trigger on stuff because I have so much stuff. I know what I really need, okay? I definitely need a new, a newer computer that does, that'll do some more heavier lifting when it comes to um, streaming and has a few more options that are a little more new age. And of course, video editing. That's also key. It has to be heavy ready for video editing. And as far as cameras go, I'm definitely looking for new cameras. I know what I need to get for that, okay? That's no problem. But when do I need to buy it? 
That's a good question. I don't need to buy it right now, okay? I can do excellent work with what I have. Drones. Pelican 3, excuse me, Pelican, well, Pelican 3, uh, I don't know. There won't be a Pelican 3. I have a Pelican 2. The DJI Phantom 3 4K is running great, has no issues. It has very minimal motor cracking. Um, the, the frame is great. It had its accident earlier this year, but it's fully functional and ready to rock. It can fly over a mile, no problem. It can fly in, in, in excellent wind gusts. It's a, great, it's a great bird. It's a little bulky for traveling, but it's got a nice hard shell case so I can throw it in the fucking river and it will have no problems. Great drone. Eventually, I will have to retire it to light duty, though, because anything that goes wrong, like maybe if a motor dies or shorts out, that thing's going to fall somewhere, and that's going to be the end of that. So I'll have to retire it to light duty and I'd say, a year, which means I'm going to have to go and get a counterpart to it. So I'll have to go and get a, either a Mavic, a DJI Mavic, or a Mavic Mini. Mavic Minis came out 400 bucks for an excellent, excellent drone. That has pretty much everything I would want in a in a bird. So I mean, it'll and Pelican Two will still be able to go and do other things like flying over the ocean and some local stuff. But for the most part, I probably won't be traveling with it once I go and get a bird that is foldable, like a Mavic Air, a Mavic Pro, or a Mavic Mini. So those things I also stayed away from. So I didn't buy a drone for Black Friday. Didn't buy any drones. Black Friday came. Didn't buy any uh, cameras. Black Friday came. Didn't buy any TVs. Didn't even buy a PlayStation. So I'm sitting there. It's like the 11th hour. Just perusing, reviewing some stuff on the TV uh, that I didn't pay for, once again. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, I, I get an email. And I'm looking... Uh, my Mustang is asleep for the winter. And I see um, um, American Muscle sends an email. American Muscle is a company that deals specifically in Mustang parts. All the way from 1966 up to present. And the first thing I see is a picture of her rims. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm probably going to change the rims out next year. But the rims I, ha I want are between $150 and $200. They're these 18-inch by 10-inch deep dish like they have a their lip is extra wide so the actual rim on the inside is pushed in further so you get this really cool deep dish look it's awesome so i'm like all right so i click on it and i see that the price had dropped from 154 to 85 per rim and i and that's when i begin to tremble then i realize oh shit and i could not help myself i could not help myself the next thing i know Two of those bad boys were in the cart and on their way to my place. Now, the way the setup is works is on the rear of my Mustang, you get you can get 18-inch by 10-inch deep dish rims. And on the fronts, you put 18 by 9s because of turning radius and, you know, that's how the car is built. And it has a really wide wheel well, a really large wheel well, so you can fit plenty of tire and rim in there. But these are the, this is the way it's designed to look. So I'll have more of a beefier, wider-looking end to look more aggressive. And it'll look, actually, it'll drive better because it's got a much wider tire. It's going from an 8-inch tire, an 8-inch eight, an eight rim to a 10-inch rim. And the front is going from an 8-inch rim to a 9-inch rim. So it'll be pretty sweet. So I broke. I dropped 150 bucks on, on rims. I still got to buy front rims for next year. But I did break 
Shout out to American Muscle for putting on, I mean, 85 bucks for custom rims that are hard for, well, specific, really specific rims. Staggered rims that are anthracite silver. So they've got a little show to them. So they're going to be awesome next year. And I cannot wait to look at these things. And I cannot wait to put them on the car too. So I did officially buy something on Black Friday at the 11th, at the very last minute. Um, and it, you know what? It was something I was planning to do, but the price was too good to pass up. And you know what? I won't see that price again. And the availability is another thing too. So. Hmm. Now, as far as like where you're going to shop, if you're shopping on Black Friday, where, you, where you're shopping in general, like I said, I've, I've, I've boasted about it many times. Slick Deals is a great place to, if you're studying deals, there's a conversation being had there every minute of every day about what is good, better, you know, stuff like that. And then they, there's links and descriptions and whale, a ton of information on whether or not you should be even buying this product to begin with. And then, of course, what, what, where do you buy from? Do you buy from Facebook Marketplace if you're looking for pre-owned products? Do you check Slick Deals, which I do? Do you go on Craigslist and look at other stuff, basically, or you go to Facebook Marketplace, which is a more, it looks like a cleaner version of the Craigslist. Do you go on eBay and take your chances, which I do a lot of times because eBay has a lot of good products, even though a lot of it is third-party sources, but so is Amazon, so fuck Amazon. Amazon has a ton of third-party resources. You're essentially, unless you can only find the product on Amazon. They do they use a lot of third party co- third party companies too. The reason people say to me to use Amazon over eBay is cuz of their their gar- their refund, you know, their customer guarantee. It's like all right, well, depending upon how much you're going to spend, I know the pre-owned market or the uh bootleg or shitty copy market cuz cameras, a lot of companies uh foreign companies will make shittier versions of a camera and make it look exactly the same same thing with watches too they'll do these really mischievous replicas of like rolexes or whatever but you'll look at the prices and you'll know oh that's not an actual nikon uh d500 or a sony a7 model or you know whatever so those and they'll get you on that they'll get you on that and they'll be it'll be missing certain pieces or certain options here and there so but if you're if you become a smart shopper after a while, you'll know how to spend your money properly. So there's that. So Amazon, yeah, I would just kind of leave that alone. Uh, I did want to, if I can have a, yeah, I'll deal with that at the end of the show. I wanted to talk about that really quick. So uh, I did have three, four projects that I worked on this weekend. Uh, two of them, one of them I haven't gotten to. One I'm basically giving up on because the footage that I was given was fucking garbage. It was like Sapruder film shit. I can't, I tried. Some Sometimes, you know, you just can't, sometimes a project just either isn't ready yet, doesn't have enough information, or it's just such a bad a project you have to walk away from it. This one is just not ready yet. I have ideas for it, but it's just, I don't have enough information, enough footage on it at this time, so it's not going to have it. And I don't show anybody projects that I'm not done with I never show, and they never see the light of day until they're done and polished. I don't, I don't show people the projects unless they're almost finished product projects. That's different. There's a couple minor tweaks here and there. That's different. Like wedding videos, that's different. I'll show people those. I'll show the clients those. That's different because that that's they're paying customers. But uh, yeah, like certain projects, like the the Instagram ones where I post um those clips of of my of my YouTube of my 
podcast, those are easy. That's just uh, audio syncing and then clipping them to make them really, really tight so people can digest them and move on. Perfect. And they're doing really well. I'm really loving pumping those out. The Cyberpunk one, uh, that one's done. The Cyberpunk Rave one, that one was done. That one took me about, a, uh, I'd say about a week from editing to, pr- to production. Editing, excuse me, edit, no, from shooting and then editing and then uploading took me about a week. So that one was, but it was more, and I was going to do a couple more things to it, but eventually it's just like, do I want to add anything more to it? I want, I just basically wanted it to be one minute of, th- of it starting out one way and then it just getting crazier and crazier and the lighting getting weirder and weirder until it was like a kaleidoscope of, you know, you basically being on a shitload of drugs and being like, whoa, what is that? And that's exactly how it ended. And then I found a video of a of a, a nuclear weapon being detonated, so I slid that in the background just for effect. And then just, boom, ended it. And those concepts are fun to make, man. They are so much fun to make. I have so many in my head that I just I write them down, and then, boom, off I go. I got two pages of, of stuff for this week, too. So we are, well, let's see, what did I get done for this week's podcast, Vermont Roasters? Oh, I did want to address really quickly. We're at 43 minutes. How this show in this podcast is modeled. This is just just in case it ever pops up. Like this podcast originally, way back in the day, was two people, and then it got to three people, and then it uh, for a small period of time it was me and my buddy Zach, but he's not into really podcasting. He's not. I don't know if he's really open in that way. But I mean, it was just a few episodes, and then the and then the podcast just disappeared. And then I tried bringing guests in, and it didn't really work. And I said, fuck it. I'm not going to wait for other people. I'm going to just try to do this myself. So I basically, uh, how, who do I listen to for podcasts? I listen to Adam Carolla, the Adam Carolla Show. I listen to the Joe Rogan Experience. I listen, and as far as the YMH, I listen to Your Mom's House. with That's a two, that's a duo. And then, of course, Two Bears, One Cave, which is also a duo. And then I listen to, and then Joe Rogan Experience, of course, which is an interview. Dan Patrick, which is a sports show, uh, and then a couple other podcasts as well. And then, of course, there is the Monday Morning Podcast, which is hosted by Bill Burr. But he does it all himself. He does it all himself. There's no production to it. It just He hits record, blabs for an hour, and hits stop. That's all he does. And I, I know Chris D'Elia does it a lot of the same way, too. But the idea is that they have their own stories, they have their own point of views, and they kind of do it. I decided to just if I'm able to just put something out, whether it's good one week or bad another the next week, as long as you're continuing, if you're just being consistent and putting it out there, the idea is that you are formulating in your head while you're doing the podcast, turn into those clips that you see on Instagram of me, and some of them turn into other things or turn into movies that I or YouTube vlogs or what have you. So the ideas are born here. And the concept came from Bill Burr's podcast where he has Q&A and he has he talks about his you know stuff that he's done or things that he's thinking about. So I'm like, okay, that's a good way to do my podcast. And it started originally with I do a lot of I read a lot of articles and sometimes and nowadays there's not as many articles now because I love the Q&As instead. So more like I'll talk about the stuff that I talked about, like what I've been up to, what videos I've been doing, or the coffee, which is somehow now basically a part of this podcast, really, you know, it's kind of a theme to this podcast. And then I do a lot of tech stuff. He's more, he's not as technical with his podcast. 
he's kind of a technically what do you call it uh illiterate but he's an angry dude and i and te- i'm technically literate but i'm also an angry dude so a lot of my format comes from there and then the q and a's his are emailed into me he's his are emailed into him mine are emailed to me but most of mine come from the dig q and a dig.com and i read them and i give my thoughts on social current on these social issues but i keep it cultural not political just not a theme that there are certain themes that i want and it works for me i do have something i didn't want, i want to talk about culture and free speech at the end of this podcast having to do with a country you know on the other side of the planet but that's my theme is where i blab for like 45 minutes and then i finish with q and a and then i i close up shop with any final thoughts that i have so i i coming up on week 100 i kind of just wanted to get finally get caught up on everything that i've not been able to talk about for the past couple weeks and then dive into week 99 and then week 100 which is two weeks from now cool cool just before christmas i gotta figure out how i'm gonna do a christmas episode that's on like a wednesday christmas is on a wednesday this year so uh did i forget anything more than likely all right so we got 47 minutes let's do some q a so let's grab the old lappy top and then let's get after it I've been getting much better sleep, though. Well, at least last night I did because uh, I decided to do the old pillow trick where I put my pillow because my sciatic, my lower back hurts like a motherfucker. But it's because I've been sleeping like shit and not sleeping properly, maybe on a crappy mattress or something. So I did the old pillow technique, and now I've got almost no pain, and I'm sure after a week my back will be perfect again. So I'm going to have to keep doing that because that's how you should be sleeping because your back's not aligned properly when you're sleeping. Um... Unless you have like a memory foam bed, and even still, those mat, those pillows that you put on your lower back and under your neck, takes all the strain out of your body when you're sleeping. All right, let's get to the dig Q and A. Here's the first one. How my levels? Yo, turn my headphones up. Should my husband and I do a photo shoot to announce his vasectomy? I'm a woman in my late twenties, and my husband, who in his is in his early 30s, is scheduled to get a vasectomy within the next month or so. Excited about this decision, I asked if we could do a, quote, we're not expecting photo shoot after his procedure. Like the compassionate sweetheart he is, he said he liked the idea, but wanted to be sensitive to people who physically can't have children. Uh, parentheses, we have at least one such couple in the family. While I understand and feel the same way, I'd still like to be able to celebrate our decision the, the way any family might announce new addition. I also expressed some frustration that between those who have children and those who can't, I'm stuck in the middle as someone who made the difficult but very active decision not to procreate and feel pressure to just shut up about it. I obviously don't want to push my husband to participate in the photo shoot he doesn't want to. And it's not really about that. It's it's about feeling free to celebrate a milestone in our life. Am I being insensitive and selfish? Should I just be quietly happy and watch everyone else make their big announcements? Uh, okay, number one, don't worry about everybody else's announcements. Number two, it's a fucking vasectomy. Don't be, pre- don't be announcing. This is uh, as stupid or more stupid than the gender reveal parties, which people are dying doing. Gender reveal Instagram uh, IGs. Everybody's doing it for the gram. Everything nowadays is for the gram. Okay. I'm doing something productive and I'm posting on the gram. But if you're like, you know, hitting a pinata and fucking blue powder comes out. Oh, it's a boy. It's stupid. And you shouldn't be having kids. As far as uh, should your husband do a photo shoot to announce his vasectomy? That is a complete 
waste of money. And you know what? I'm glad that you don't have kids because you'd be making dumber decisions than this and you'd have a little one running around the house. Uh, the No. Do I applaud you for getting a vasectomy? Yes. It's very responsible of your husband to do so. As far as posting about it or talk, no. No. You don't, you don't need to talk about your husband's nuts uh, on the Instagram. That's his business. He's, I get it. He's trying to be supportive, but um, he needs to be like, no, we're not doing it. It's a stupid idea, and you should just move on from that. There's no reason for you to be doing something like that. None whatsoever. It, it's, I get it. It's a free country. You can do what you want, but it's a free country, and I have the right to say it's a fucking dumb idea. So please do us all a favor and uh, leave that gram for another day. You know, take a picture of your of your freaking of your flowers or some shit. All right, next Q and A. Was it a jerk to move? Was it a jerk move to wrap up a brick as a Christmas present for my sons? I have two sons from a previous marriage, eight ages eight and nine. I've had full custody for the last three years, and it's just a, the stepmom and me now. Their mother is no longer in the picture. They're, they were ex- so excited about Christmas last year, there were many presents for them under the tree from the grandparents and us, and they were constantly checking them out, trying to guess what was in them. They could hardly wait for Christmas Day and begged us to let them open some presents early, so we allowed them to open one present that was gifted to both of them. It was the heaviest package under the tree, and you could feel their excitement when I told them they could open it on Christmas Eve. They tore into it like a couple savages. I wrapped it very well in, in, to make it take a little time to get to, at the goods. As the final paper was ripped off the present, the oldest, uh, the oldest was going like, it's a, quote, it's a, it's a, and the final paper came off, quote, brick. I thought it was hilarious. The looks on their faces was priceless. Unfortunately, they were somewhat upset. Tears were shed, etc. So we let them open one more present to calm them down. Am I the asshole for wrapping a brick as a present? Oh, you know what you, okay. Time management. Time management is one of those things that I take great pride in. And the idea that you took the time to, first of all, these kids, they didn't do anything wrong. All right. They didn't do anything wrong. So you decided to tease them for your own selfish enjoyment by wrapping a fucking piece of hard clay and giving to them because you get their jollies off at their disappointment is it's well it's juvenile you shouldn't be doing that and yeah maybe it's a moment that they're gonna always remember dad was an asshole when he did that or step yeah you're the stepdad okay first of all you you don't you're the stepdad you can't you shouldn't be doing that and even if you were the dad i still don't think you should be doing that uh i don't i i'm not saying i'm against this i'm just saying i wouldn't do it okay i wouldn't do it the and you're asking the question: Am I an, am I the asshole for wrapping a brick as a cre- as a present? Well, it's you. If you're the asshole, okay, it's you versus who else? Are they assholes for uh? Are they assholes for 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 doing that, or are you the asshole for doing that? No, you're the asshole for doing that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say it was a smart decision. Hold on, I gotta check on some electronics here. Let me pr- hit pause really quick. I'm having a small issue. Hold on, be right back. Okay, we're good. Sorry about that. I uh, realized that my laptop wasn't plugged in and I was about to have a panic attack because it was streaming one of my videos. So we're good now. Okay. All right. As far as the um, 
wrapping the brick. Are you're asking the question? Am I an asshole for wrapping a brick as a Christmas present? Yeah, you're an asshole for wrapping a brick as a Christmas present. That is the same thing as driving, you know, driving your your son to the dealership, son or daughter to the dealership, and driving them through a, a Porsche freaking, uh, you know, dealership, and then you bring them to a Chevy dealership and get them a two thousand dollar pre owned pile of whatever. You don't need to do it, okay? You don't need to tease them like that. You can do it after. You can. You, you know, you just don't need to do it. It's a, like I said, it's a time management thing. It's wasting time. It's wasting effort. Uh, you shouldn't be, you don't need to be doing it, okay? I, you're not a terrible person for doing it. It's just kind of a dick move, okay? But you're not a horrible human being. You shouldn't be castrated and thrown off the fucking cliff. You're just, it's just not, it's not nice. There are other ways in life to be an asshole. And I believe me, I can list you 20 ways. No problem. I probably wrote about it. But the idea is that this is just another douchey thing that you don't need to be doing because you're trying to get your jollies off at your kids, that your stepkids' disappointments. So there's that. Or your son, excuse me. I don't know, the son, stepson, whatever. Just, yeah, don't do it. You did it once. And uh, yeah, that's about that. All right, next one. Uh, what's, what's the ones I had listed? Let's see. Brick for Christmas, attractive employees, and dating help under 35. How about dating help under 35? Let's do that one. Because uh, attractive employees, yeah, whatever. This, that's that's a skewed point of view. Here's Here we go. Dating advice for somebody who hasn't dated in a year. How can I find significantly younger, polite, decent women to date? I'm asking for an idea, not bullshit. Oh, that's, yeah, get right to the point. I've never been married. I don't smoke or drink alcohol. Both really stupid habits. I don't like this person already. And it's hard to meet really decent, capital letters, decent women. I'm over 45, but I won't waste my time trying to date women my age. A friend, friend suggested the Zeusk website. Well, it's filled with losers. I am financially very well off. I like really, I like really polite women. Not many of them left either. So a dating expert, I would like to meet a woman who is really interesting between 30 and 35, someone with a life. I will pay to meet you in person if you can help me find someone. Okay. Well, he's, he's talking to the original uh, Q&A person. So, yeah, he's 45 years old. He's got a lot of money. Um, he's particular, as of, of course. And he, do, he thinks that everybody on uh, dating on social, who uses the social dating, you know, online and stuff, uh, the one he tried was filled with losers. And he wants to find somebody between 30 and 35 who, uh, yeah, doesn't, uh, yeah, is better than him basically. All right. You're over 45. You are shopping in a market that isn't really designed for you. Now I get it. I'm, I'm in my mid to late thirties and I get the idea of me dating somebody who's like 21 or 22, 23, you know, something like that. That's definitely cutting it close. The idea is that you're 45. Okay. Now I do. I, I know this girl who's dating a dude who is in his, uh, he's almost 50. So I get that. Hold on, my freaking. Okay. So I get the fact that they, they it's, it's their choice. They want to date somebody older who's got their shit together and they're not going to have any more. I, I, okay, whatever. You do you. If you can find a 32-year-old who's got, a, who's got her shit together and wants to date you, great. Good luck to you. But you're going online. Okay, you're going online. You're throwing rocks in a pond. Good luck to you. What do you look like? What do you have to offer besides money? I get it. There's a lot of freaking 
uh, what do you call them, uh, gold diggers out there that will, if you just got a shit ton of money, they'll gravitate towards you. But if you're looking for someone who, you're, you're looking for someone with a life, okay, an interesting person. Well, gold diggers aren't interesting. Gold, gold diggers just want your money, and they just, like I said earlier, they're doing it for the gram. So you don't want to be dating or seeing anybody like that because they're just going to drain you for everything that's worth, okay? So the idea that you want to find somebody between 30 and 35, you better look like fucking George Clooney, okay? You better be in shape, plenty of cash, mentally collectively put it together, mentally all there, and you can't be, you can't, the way you're talking, it sounds like you're hiding bodies in the basement. I would, personally, I would tell women just to steer clear of you altogether. Um, you're, you've got some issues, okay? I'm gonna read this again. He doesn't smoke or drink alcohol. Okay, he's a straight edge, but he calls them both really stupid habits. Well, they're not, okay, you don't smoke. What do you smoke? A little bit of. If you smoke a little bit of weed, do you consider that a habit, or do you just do it a little bit here and there? Or maybe have a couple CD. That's not a habit, okay? Does he drink now? If you drink a little bit of alcohol here and there, or you know, on special occasions, is that a habit? But no, you go right off the bat and you say, "I don't smoke or drink alcohol." They're both really stupid habits. How so? You know, I don't drink a lot, but I have a wine rack. I've also got a little bit of vodka in there and a little bit of limoncello, and I make. Oddly enough, I make I mix really good dreams drinks. I'm a bartender hobbyist, okay, and also I'm I'm also in shape, okay. I have a nutrition and a physical workout regimen that I follow, okay. And a friend of yours suggested a Zeus website, so basically just going online, pick them, pick them out of the hat, and then you say it's filled with losers, and yet you can't find anybody. What does that make you? That makes you a loser. So. You should not be dating until you are, you, first of all, you need to work on your social currency and your mental currency, first of all, because I don't have any respect for how you eat, you decent women. You're just a fucking weirdo, in my opinion. I'm strange and odd and sometimes standoffish and say stupid shit. You're, you're fucking weird. You're uncomfortable to talk. I, if I, I wouldn't want to have a conversation with you. Uh, because I think like most of your point, the most of the thoughts in your head are pretty concrete and I can't change you. That's not good for compromising a relationship or steel manning another person's argument so that you understand their point of view on things. Now you want to meet a woman who's really interesting. Well, I don't think you're interesting. I think you're just trying to find somebody a little bit younger because you want to trash on these chicks who are 45, 40 to 45 years old because you don't think they have any street cred left, which a lot of them actually in their late 30s, women in their late 30s do have a lot of cred and they do have a lot to offer and you shouldn't be talking bad about women that are anywhere between 38 and 42 or something like that. I'm sure there's a lot of great ones there. Sure, you can go and find yourself a 29 or 30-year-old nurse who's got you know plenty of money and drives a fucking Mercedes and is out of her mind. So you need to think carefully when you just automatically throw those age groups out there. I get it, 30 to 35. Yeah, it's not bad out there. They still got a lot of their looks. They're kind of vibrant. It's in that area. But guess what? They're also, they also could be looking to get married, have kids, you know, stuff that by the time they're done with your ass, you're 50, 55, and uh, who knows if you can even get it up anymore or if you're even in shape to begin with. I don't even know what you look like, and to me, it looks like you know... You have money, which means you put a lot of time into your job, but you put no time into yourself. And that's me. I want to be at least completely uh, capable of doing everything myself 
before I expect anything of anyone else, especially somebody who you're looking for, someone with a life who's between this age group and this. And great. You can look, but there's a reason you're still single. So a dating expert should be focused more on you instead of who you're looking for. Because I wouldn't want to subject a woman to my problems. I really wouldn't want to subject a woman to your problems. So I think for the most part, you've got a lot of issues that you need to deal with. And, you know, go talk to somebody who isn't a dating expert. If you catch my drift. So we're at an hour and two minutes. I want to finish up here with something, uh, cur- a current event. Something that's been taking place for the last few months. And this is... So, yeah, you can find me on all social media and all that stuff like that. But I want to talk about, I mentioned this one time, about there's a situation going on in Hong Kong. It's has it's more to do, it, it's beyond political, it's beyond cultural, it's, huma, it's humanitarian. It's one of the biggest issues, I think, in the world today as far as social shit. The I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna try to lay this out in seven to ten minutes because we're at an hour and three right now. Hong Kong is an entity of China. Hong Kong, although it's considered one country, two two systems. Hong Kong has its own political government, has its own government, and then of course China has its own government. We all know what China is all about. They're fucking corrupt. They're communists. They spy on their on their on their uh, population, and pe- random people disappear if they don't like them. That's just how it is. Okay, everything is state run. Everything, okay. Hong Kong, however, has a has a has more free speech. It has a more social crowd. There's a lot of college there. It's, it's very much a more free society. Then what happened recently was China introduced a let introduced legislation stating that Hong Kong is not what was basically an extradition policy where if China uh, one had if there was charges in another country like Taiwan or Hong Kong that that if China brought this person up on charges that person could be extradited from from Hong Kong to mainland China. The problem with that is if you get extradited to mainland China and you're not an American citizen, you're probably never going to be seen again because it's such a corrupt system. They will grab you from Hong Kong. Hong Kong will hand you over because of the legislation. You'll go back to China and then you're disappear. You're gone. So, and they can make, the thing is, is they can make up charges. That's the issue. That's the worry that they can just make shit up. They say, hey, Hong Kong, we want this person who could be a political activist or say something about the president or whatever. And then boom, they they just, they grab them and they disappear. So what happened after that was massive protests in the millions, blocking the airports, the streets, rioting. It is bad to the point where the Chinese government is basically arming up right on the border of Hong Kong. The reason I talk about this and I mention this because it's such a sensitive issue is because I have this podcast because I have one thing for me, one thing going for me. I have the freedom to say basically whatever I want and try out new ideas and topics and concepts however I please. And somebody has the right to come in here and debate me or discuss with me or help me grow on that topic. And... I had a, and China was is was monitoring and I was getting hits from China on my website and then when this broke a podcast basically got blocked off. So it's scary because I have this power and this ability to broadcast to the world my thoughts and feelings on subjects and I have a very I have I have dinner table rules in this podcast where I don't talk about politics, I don't talk about religion mostly. 
Um, so, and what was the other one? Oh, sports, because I just don't give a shit about sports. Not anymore, anyways. But this is this is something where if this were to happen here, this whole podcast world, there's millions, of, there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And they're able to be, you know, just thrown out there on a whim by anybody. Anybody has that opportunity to grow an audience or, or do an open mic and become a comedian. Because I think like a comedian. I try out these new ideas and these new concepts all the time. And it scares me to know that these people in Hong Kong, their lives are at stake. Whether they did something about it or didn't do something about it. So as a free speech, free speech practitioner, I have to say that I don't approve of this whole extradition policy. And because of the protests, they suspended the vote on this. But they knew it, but it didn't stop there. And these people are going fucking insane. There's, I mean, blocking, tra blocking traffic is an understatement. You have to go uh, and check out the videos and stuff like that that's coming from Hong Kong. It's crazy. So the extradition rules, the consequences, the protests, what's this going to be like long term? And what did I write here? No action bill gets passed. China's Titans. Yeah. So it, no, if no action, the bill, if, if Hong Kong did nothing, this bill would get passed and this extradition policy would be enacted. Therefore, if you opposed anything that the president said or the prime minister, president of, of Hong Kong said, there would be severe, there could be severe consequences for you. Now, Here's the other here's the other side of it. If you did do something about it and the Chinese government decided to act on you or the police decide to act on you, it can cost you your job, your 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 uh your college um tuition or it could cost you your life. Cuz people are worried that this could turn into another Tiananmen Square where there was a lot it was, you know, there was a lot of deaths under Mao in China and then Tiananmen Square was a big moment in Chinese history where people's stood against the government and a lot of people lost their lives. You can look it up. Tiananmen Square, you can see the, the, the classic photo of the guy standing in front of a, a legion of tanks as, they, as they're coming through and he just doesn't move. He won't allow the tanks to pass. The idea that you're screwed, as Jordan Peterson says, damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're screwed either way. You either do nothing and let this evil communist bullshit take over or you put everything on the line, you sacrifice your life so that this type of corruption and policy doesn't ruin your f basically free society. Something that I take advantage every single day. So the, I so as for all the protests and all the riots, I, I say to you, the people of Hong Kong that are currently bunkered down, doing whatever you can to make sure that this, the world knows what's happening. If it's fight or flight, and that's what you guys are facing right now, fight or flight, I say to you, fight. Do whatever you have to do. Um, obviously, when it comes to some of the things that are going on, maybe I don't approve of it or whatever, but I say to you, you fight. If it's the very first amendment, if it has to do with the very first amendment that we have in our constitution here in the United States, you fight to the bitter end. You do whatever it takes to make sure that Hong Kong stays free. And make an example for the rest of the world of what happens when one person who seemingly has no voice teams together with other people to have millions of voices. People who and people who seemingly maybe don't have any strength come together and have the power of the sword to stand up against a scary, scary government.
a government that wants to take one of the most essential human rights away from something that we have on a daily basis. Fight on. Do whatever you can. You have my appreciation. You have my support. Uh, I applaud you for what you're going through right now. I'm sorry that you have to go through it. And I wish you all the best. And I hope that Hong Kong stays separate from the Chinese government. I hope that it, it sets an example in the long term for just knowing what it's like to be free. I hope that I hope it doesn't escalate to the, the point where I, I personally think it's going to go to. But I, I, I've seen the footage. Philip DeFranco's done an excellent job in reporting on it. And I hope that the people of Hong Kong prevail and, key, and still maintain to the end of the world a free and prosperous society. And on behalf of myself and all my collaborators here at you know PS Creative, I wish you all the best and I hope it all works out. And I'm sorry that you're in a position where you're sitting, you know, just across the pond from a very corrupt and oppressive government. And if you do get this message, even though they tend to, even though the Chinese government filters and blocks out a lot of American content, if you do get this message, my hopes and dreams and appreciation for what you're doing is with you. And if there is something I can do in any way as a small podcaster here who has a small audience but with large dreams, if there is something I can do or if this message gets to you, my, my appreciation is with you for what you're doing. And I wish you all the best because we have thoughts and opinions here, some I agree with and some I don't, but we can still put them out there. And that's the difference. We are allowed to put them out there and not have serious consequences because of them. Your consequences could mean your life over there. So on behalf of myself and anybody else who believes in the free speech idea, I wish you all the best. Good luck to you and fight on even if it's to the bitter end. And if you have any questions, if you can contact me, please can. So to the people of Hong Kong, thank you for setting an excellent example. Good luck. My name is Jay. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm, and at positive sarcasm. You can find me on YouTube uh, at positive sarcasm. You can find me on you know those social medias. You can email me directly for posing music, question, comments, whatever you want. Um, I want to wish you all the best, and uh, week 100 is coming up soon. Yeah, whew, that, was a, that was a tough subject to go through, but I'm glad I said it. I feel pretty good about it, and uh, that's pretty much it. So... Until then, this is kind of a quiet podcast, I guess, for the most part. It didn't get too crazy. But I, I for the, until then, I um, want to thank you guys. Follow me on uh, – you can subscribe to this podcast, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. You can even download them directly from my website. So until then, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. In an old house on a hillside Next to the sea Far from the madness that Folds around me Peaceful and gentle Like sails on the breeze In an old house on a hillside Next to the sea There's a warm light On a cold night 
clean cotton sheet, soap smelling skin, tingling feet, stars line the skyline and shine through the trees in an old house on a hillside next to the sea. And when the autumn comes What we need from the town, and all of our friends will be round in an old house on a hillside next to the sea. As paper and night black as sleep, with old things behind us and new things to be in an old house on a hillside next to the sea. And when the sunshine comes down, my hair will turn golden. support this podcast go to positive sarcasm.com slash donate any amount is appreciated once again positive sarcasm.com slash donate